Welcome to the Paranormal Factor Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Wright. Thanks for stopping by. This is the place to explore mysteries, investigate the otherworldly, and share stories of the inexplicable and the strange. You see, within the realm of our daily, ordinary lives, there is a paranormal factor always waiting to reveal itself. So let's begin exploring together the truly weird. Welcome listeners, and thanks for joining us on the Paranormal Factor Podcast. In this episode, we're looking into a scary and dangerous cryptid, the Beast of Bladenboro. The Beast of Bladenboro, or Vampire Cat, is a large monster with vampiric qualities that made several livestock and pet killings in Bladenboro, North Carolina, in the winter of 1953 and 1954. According to witnesses and trackers, it was likely a wildcat, but its identity was ultimately not conclusively confirmed. Its vicious and deadly attacks lasted for 10 days. Then, nothing. But before we start, a reminder to check out the Paranormal Factor Podcast Facebook page. Every single day, Monday through Friday, there's new paranormal and supernatural material for you to explore. Fans of the show know it's the best place to find monsters, quizzes, film, TV, and book recommendations, and current paranormal news stories from around the world. And don't forget to look at the show notes after listening to our episodes. They contain resources if you want to look further into any topic with recommended books and videos to view. Now, before we start our story, a word of caution. I've attempted to dampen the description of the injury done to the unfortunate animal victims in this event. But be aware, this was a vicious cryptid that performed horrible damage to its victims. However, details must be reported in order to tell you this story. Now, on to our episode. It was in Bladen County, North Carolina, late in the evening on December 29, 1953, that our story begins. A woman in the small town of Clarkton, a small town just east of Bladenboro, got in touch with local law enforcement. Why? Well, she was excited and frightened at the same time by what she had seen in her neighbor's yard. She reported just as the sun had gone down that night, all the dogs in the neighborhood were barking uncontrollably and whimpering as well. As she went to investigate, she saw a large cat-looking creature slipping off into the darkness. It was larger than any cat she had ever seen before, almost as big as a bear, she said. This would be the first sighting of what became known as the Beast of Bladenboro. Soon after, the creature would strike. In fact, on December the 31st, 1953, just two days after the sighting in Clarkton, two dogs were found dead in Bladenboro. The dogs had been torn to shreds, their heads ripped off, and their skulls crushed. Well, this was just the beginning of the horror to take place in the year to come. People in the region were shaken to their core by the brutal attacks and killings by an unidentified cat-like creature. In the winter of 1953 and 1954, the town of Bladenboro, North Carolina, was terrorized by this creature that they dubbed the Bladenboro Beast. Stories of the beast would differ in its description. People weren't sure really what it was, but there was no doubt in anyone's mind that whatever it was, it was incredibly vicious and exceedingly large. 
The people of the region were well acquainted with predators and the damage they could do to pets and livestock. But this, this was something altogether different. And the one consistent element? The beast had a taste for the blood of its victims. Now, North Carolina has seen its share of mysteries. Bizarre creatures, UFOs, and numerous supernatural hauntings. But it's safe to say the Tar Heel State has seen nothing like the horror sprung upon it in the winter of 1953. Bladen County is one of the oldest counties in North Carolina. It lies about 70 miles northwest of Wilmington and just southeast of Lumberton. The Cape Fear River slowly makes its way through the county on its way to the coast. The county is mostly rural, and only a few towns dot the landscape. Farming is big in the county with rich land and abundant water. A lot of the county is made up of large forest and swampland. It's a perfect environment for bears, deer, bobcats, and just about any other type of animal. Bladenboro itself is a small community surrounded by pine forests and swamps at the southeastern edge of the North Carolina Piedmont. It was also the setting for the greatest monster encounter North Carolina has ever seen. In Bladenboro, a series of vampire-like killings of pets and livestock was just starting. And whatever it was, it was scaring the hell out of the community. So much so that locals became afraid to leave their homes after dark. Well, after the attack on the two dogs on December 31st, 1953, the mysterious creature struck again, and not for the last time. On New Year's Eve, 1953, Woody Storm found two of his dogs gruesomely killed on his property. Both had obviously been brought down by something large, as they were not exactly small dogs. Over the next few days, reports came in from across the county, all reporting that dogs had been killed by some massive cat or bear or monster. The beast sometimes tore the dogs apart, even decapitating them, or just dragged them off. A few of the poor animals were not found until later, dead and mutilated in the woods. While the beast took down livestock, including goats, pigs, rabbits, and maybe even horses, its preferred prey seemed to be dogs. On January the 1st, 1954, two more dogs were found dead around Bladenboro. One was chewed up so badly it was hardly recognizable. In the next few days, more dogs were found dead with mutilated bodies. The local police were growing concerned and ordered an autopsy of one of the dogs. Well, a few days later, law enforcement were astonished as they read the results of the autopsy. The report said it looked like all the dog's blood had been sucked out of its body in a vampire fashion. In fact, the beast seemed to be fixated on blood. This was one chilling factor that set the beast apart from an average bear or wild dog. When other dogs and livestock began turning up dead, local authorities found they too had been drained of blood, with only a few drops left in the corpses. Newspapers, as you might guess, latched on to the notion there was a bloodsucker in the vicinity and began describing the beast as vampiric. This also fed the idea that the beast might be something supernatural. While this mythologized and sensationalized the beast, it also terrified people. It ultimately led people to believe they were dealing with something far more strange than some animal gone wild. Some began to believe the perpetrator might be some kind of vampiric monster. Witnesses that claimed they saw the creature said it was dark in color, about five feet long with bushy hair, a long tail, a large head with long fangs coming from its mouth, pointed ears, and resembling a bear 
or panther, but others said it was brownish and tabby-colored with little hair on its back. As the days and nights went by, locals started reporting many other shocking finds, from cows to hogs to mutilated chickens and goats. All seemed to have had the blood sucked right out of them and their skulls crushed. What horror was doing these gruesome killings? As more sightings came in, a party of big game hunters went in search of the elusive monster. All they found were tracks as big as a bear with claws over two inches long. That was strange, they noted, since cats walk with claws retracted. A local veterinarian that examined some of the dogs said that whatever animal killed them had to have had very large, sharp claws. In addition, the creature's tracks sunk deep into the mud, indicating to the hunters that this was a very large and very heavy animal of some sort. But what? It was nothing like anything they had witnessed before in the region. Local law enforcement became desperate to find whatever was doing all the killing before it attacked a human. They even turned trained police dogs on fresh tracks made by the creature. But the dogs refused to follow the creature's trail. And honestly, who could blame them? Over the next two weeks at the start of 1954, the animal body count went up. Eight dogs, a family of kittens, and at least one lamb were said to have fallen victim. And the beast seemed to be growing bolder. According to Bladenboro Police Chief Roy Fors, another dog, while assisting a group of 500 men on a hunt for the creature, was reportedly dragged into a nearby swamp, screaming. Eyewitness accounts in the Robsonia newspaper reported the creature made an absolutely chilling sound. While many accounts differ in the size and the color of the beast, most agreed that its call sounded partly human in an unearthly way and was truly scary. Some described it as the sound of a baby crying in pain somewhere outside. Others said it was like a woman screaming as if stabbed or hurt in some way. Some people even reported seeing the animal open its jaws to make the sound, so it was not the noise of one of its unfortunate canine victims dying. No matter how it was described, most agreed the beast's call was absolutely blood-curdling. Theories grew on the perpetrator's identity. A mad wolf, mountain lion, wildcat, panther, bobcat, spotted leopard, or rabid dog. Authorities found two sets of tracks near where the animal appeared to have struck, leading them to believe the beast might just have a mate. The telltale sign the beast had been at work was the terribly mutilated bodies of its victims and not just a slashed stomach. No, the beast often decapitated its victims or at the very least smashed their skulls to the point of flattening them. Many of the bodies found later in the woods were completely missing their heads. Dogs were often found with their lower jaws torn completely off or smashed back to the point of being unrecognizable. This indicated the creature was strong, and it cast serious doubt on later suggestions that the animal was merely a bobcat or stray hound. So far, no human had been attacked, but that would change on the night of January the 4th, when the beast struck at its first and only human, a 21-year-old mother, Mrs. Charles Kinlaw. Apparently, she came within feet of being the beast's next victim. She lived in a rural area a few miles outside of Bladenboro. As the sun had just gone down and the moon had started to rise, the young mom was outside hanging some diapers on the rail of her porch. She looked up and with only the light of the full moon, she saw the beast slowly stalking her. The creature was only a few feet from her porch and ready to pounce upon its prey. But the young mother managed to turn and run back into her house, slamming and locking the door behind her. 
She said the beast then let out a loud scream, like a baby or a woman crying, only louder and chilling, the kind of sound that would make the hair stand up on the back of your neck. Charles Kenlaw grabbed his shotgun and ran out into the night to face whatever might be out there. The only thing he found was several large cat-like paw prints all around his yard. Though startled, Mrs. Kenlaw escaped unharmed. The next day, Police Chief Forrest said the town of 790 people was as quiet as he'd ever seen it. The Robsonian called the period a five-day reign of terror. As the newspapers got the story out, somehow the creature acquired the name The Beast of Bladenboro. Well, this brought in all types of folks looking to kill or capture the beast. The effort to bring the beast to bay became a regional issue. At one point, the area reportedly had somewhere between 800 and 1,000 hunters. Fear ran through the county like wildfire. The town was armed to the teeth, Bladenboro Mayor Bob Fussell later recalled to the Greenville News. Even small boys carried guns. Chief of Police Roy Forrest and I knew someone would surely be shot accidentally. News of the vampire beast of Bladenboro was widespread, appearing in newspapers from California to Massachusetts. In mid-January, the shooting of a local bobcat seemed to calm local residents' concerns. The mayor of the town posed for a picture with the large bobcat claiming the beast of Bladenboro had finally been caught. By the end of the month, reports of animal attacks had faded away. And just like that, as suddenly as the mysterious attacks and sightings started, they stopped. The creature had vanished without a trace. Well, parents would not let their children outside after dark, residents of nearby towns refused to even visit Bladenboro. Men wouldn't leave their homes without firearms. Dogs were locked up inside buildings for safety. It was a terrible time for Bladenboro and the surrounding area. But then the creature departed. Or did it? And so the killings just stopped, and the people of the area slowly forgot about the vampire beast of Bladenboro. That is, until 1974 and 1975, when again, in the winter, more animals were killed and torn apart. But the beast, it was not done with the region. No, not yet. It happened again in the winter of 1998 and 1999, and in 2003, in 2007, and once again in the summer of 2013, demanding the question, what is this creature? And how can it go for years without killing animals only to show up again? The Beast Returns in 2003 In 2003, goats and dogs started showing up dead again, with very few marks on them. Again, the strange thing was that even though the animals had been killed, there was no blood around them or inside of them. People in the area quickly concluded the vampire beast of North Carolina had returned. And return it had. Only this time, it was killing animals in a 120-mile radius of Bladenboro. And this time, no one was seeing it. People were finding tracks that not even experienced wildlife biologists could explain. They said they were the strangest, most unusual tracks they had ever seen and couldn't say what kind of animal they came from. They did say the beast appeared to be killing just to kill, and in almost every case, the victim's blood was gone. One thing it did upon its return that it did not do back in 1953 is it killed dogs chained in people's yards. It even killed pit bulls while their owners slept in the house a few yards away. People just couldn't figure out how it walked up to a pit bull and drained it of blood 
with the dog putting up no fight. How could it be doing that? Animals were again being found with their throats ripped open and their blood removed. Something horrible was out there, but it wasn't showing itself. The Beast Returns in 2007 In 2007, the Beast returned again, but in other regions such as Bolivia, Greensboro, and Lexington, and the Beast brought more surprises and fear with it. In September, 60 goats were found murdered and drained of blood in Lexington. Glenda and Bruce Floyd, owners of the 100-acre farm where the goats were attacked, found the goats dead early one morning. Their necks had been ripped open, bodies drained of blood, and then left uneaten with no other marks. 30 miles northeast of Lexington in Greensboro, Billy Yao's goats were also massacred in the same horrible way. In October, Bolivia resident Bill Robinson found his three-year-old pit bull gutted. Robinson buried his pet some distance away from where he found it. But the next morning, Robinson discovered the dog in the same spot where he had found it originally. Four days after Robinson found his pit bull, Leon Williams, a neighbor, found his two-year-old pit bull dead with his chain stretched out across a ditch. He was covered in blood and pieces of him were missing. The remains were examined by a veterinarian and it was determined the dog had died of blood loss and a possible head dislocation. There were no signs of a struggle, which is strange for an adult pit bull. The two dogs were two of ten canines found murdered in the areas of Brown, Midway, and Rutland Roads in Brunswick County during a two-week period. The tracks, four and a half inches in diameter, were very similar to those found in 1953 and 4. A resident living on Brown Road, Robert Smith, found tracks around the church and in neighborhood gardens. A hunter, he stated he had never seen tracks like these before. My fist could fit into it, he said. The Animal Services Department in the county investigated the predator's tracks and droppings, but could not determine what had attacked the dogs. Animal behaviorist Kay Cox told the TV show Monster Quest in their episode on vampire beasts that she knows of no animal that could take down a 120-pound pit bull silently. The beast, whatever it may be, evidently does not alert the dogs to its approach. What animal kills for a reason other than food or fear? The creature was seen targeting a dog on January the 5th, 2008. The dog fled but was never seen again. And in June 2008, reports stated the beast had been seen again in recent months in Bolivia in Brunswick County. The beast returns in 2013. In May and June of 2013, something was once again killing animals in the area and draining them of blood but no one could say what it was. Local veterinarians said the animals were killed by puncture wounds in their necks, and they were almost always drained of blood. There is no animal in North Carolina that can do this, although several cryptids have been spotted in the state over the years. On June 15, 2013, Misty Turner of Bladenboro was upset because something had killed three horses and a large bull mastiff dog that belonged to her. The three horses were killed that Thursday morning sometime before daylight, and the dog was killed late Thursday night. Misty's son, Taylor, found the three horses dead when he went to check on them after he heard their large bull mastiff dog barking by the horse's pasture. When he arrived on his four-wheeler, the vehicle's lights revealed three dead horses lying on the ground. The large dog was outside the pasture barking at an area of dense undergrowth. Well, 
Taylor went and got his rifle and his mom, and he called the local police. After they inspected the horses, they found only puncture wounds on the horses' necks, and there was very little blood. They said the horses were soaked with foamy sweat on them like they'd been ridden hard for miles. When the local sheriff arrived, he called out a local veterinarian who examined the horses and said they had deep puncture wounds in their necks and that, apparently, they had been drained of blood. Neither the sheriff nor the vet could explain what type of animal had killed the three horses. After being at the farm for two hours, the sheriff and the vet left. The family used a tractor to move the horses to a deep ditch and buried them. And that should have been the end of it, but it wasn't. At just after 11 p.m., Misty heard a moaning sound coming from outside the back door of the house. When she turned on the lights, her large bull mastiff dog was lying there and she said the dog died as she kneeled by it. She said when she turned on the light, she saw a large cat-like creature running from her dog. And those were the last reported encounters with the Beast of Bladenborough. But the story still lives on, and there is no evidence the creature died or was ever killed. In 2008, the TV show Monster Quest did a search for the Beast of Bladenborough. They concluded what people may have been seeing was a cougar. However, cougars have been extinct or eliminated throughout the east coast of America, except for the tip of Florida. Don White, president of the Boost the Borough organization that hosts the Beast of Bladenborough annual festival, was born the year before the beast mania happened. Though he was raised hearing tales of the beast, he admits he doubts the legitimacy of the legend. I think it was more of a promotional gimmick than anything else, truth be told, he said. But there are people today who claim their brothers, fathers, aunts, and uncles remember it vividly. And it was real. And the accounts of the Beast of Bladenborough didn't end, of course, in the 1950s. There are people around now who claim they still see something that appears to be a cat-like creature, White said. There was certainly something that killed dogs in the woods of Bladen County in the early days of 1954. But what exactly that something was, and whether it warranted the hype that was woven around it, well, that remains unknown. And there was a lot of hype. The mayor, Woodrow Bob Fussell, also happened to be the owner of the local movie theater. Fussell booked a horror movie called The Big Cat into his theater at the peak of the excitement, advertising... Now you can see the cat. We've got him on our screen. And in Technicolor. In every town, there's a horror story that keeps children from stepping foot outside the house after nightfall. From bygone folklore to urban legends, there seems to be no shortage when it comes to these fear-inducing tales. The end aim is, after all, done with good intentions for safety and welfare. And maybe a little entertainment to boot. However, the stories you were told as a child probably pale in comparison to the story of the infamous beast of Bladenborough, who single-handedly savaged and terrified an entire region. So, what was the beast really? Often dubbed as Bladenborough's vampire beast, the thing that perhaps made the creature so noteworthy? It's anonymity. No one really knew what it was or when or where it would strike next. That mystery just added to its legend and the fear it generated. Multiple accounts maintained the beast was of feline classification, ranging from wildcat, lion, panther, to bobcat, 
many of the inhabitants were convinced that the creature was indeed a member of the cat genus. Despite several witnesses and even trackers claiming the beast was most probably a wildcat, a hunter from the nearby city of Wilmington, S.W. Garrett, claimed to have heard the beast scream with a panther-like sound. However, Harry Davis, a curator at the Raleigh State Museum, vouched that the existence of panthers in the area is highly unlikely, and instead suggested the sounds must have been that of a coyote. The town's own police chief, however, believed the Bladenboro creature was nothing but a wolf. He recalled how old folks say they remember seeing wolves in the Bay Swamp area and talk about them every now and then. Contrastingly, a number of others assert the beast is likely a wolverine, while others argue that it's most probably a police dog gone wild. Despite the differing accounts regarding the creature's real identity, there is one thing that remains clear about the beast. The beast of Bladenborough had a bloodthirsty nature and was unforgivingly vicious. Residents today still pass on the story, though many suggest much of the uproar was due to a case of fake news. Mayor Fussell would later acknowledge the animal was about 90% imagination and 10% truth. Kimberly Ange Van Hoyten, an animal science professor at North Carolina State University, said many of the big cats people speculated about in 1954, cougars, mountain lions, panthers, just don't exist in rural areas near North Carolina's coast. But that just begs the primary question again. Then what is this creature? Followed by the second biggest question. Is the beast still out there? Whatever the beast of Bladenborough is, it can approach large pit bulls and kill and drain them of blood without making a sound. Those who have studied the case in depth say there must be more than one beast because it's made kills 100 miles apart on the same night. Police are often called in the Bladenboro area when people hear a woman screaming over and over, but no woman is ever found. One possible answer? It's the beast of Bladenboro they're hearing. Biologists have studied the animals it has killed since its first period of activity in the 1950s, and they have no answers. It kills the animals, apparently, by smothering them and then drains their blood. One strange thing is that other predators that usually eat dead animals won't touch one of the creature's kills. And tracking dogs brought to animals killed by the beast have refused to approach the dead animals or attempt to track it. What are they so fearful of? No one knows the answer, but the beast of Bladenboro is still killing animals every few years in and around the town. There have been numerous reports of unexplained animal deaths and injuries throughout North Carolina where it's unclear what kind of animal attacked livestock or pets. J.A. Bolton is a member of the North Carolina Storytelling Guild. He believes the beast is still out there, says Bolton. My personal view is the beast still roams the impregnable swamps of Bladen County, just waiting to pounce on its next unsuspecting victim, whether human or animal. Well, next week, we'll be looking into a stunning UFO case, the 1976 Tehran UFO encounter. The 1976 Tehran UFO incident was a radar and visual sighting of an unidentified flying object over Tehran, the capital of Iran, during the early morning hours of September 19, 1976. 
During the incident, two Imperial Iranian Air Force F-4 Phantom II jet interceptors reported losing instrumentation and communications as they approached the unknown object. Those were restored once they left the vicinity of the object. One of the aircraft also reported a temporary weapon systems failure while the crew was preparing to open fire on the craft. You don't want to miss this episode on one of the most startling UFO cases ever. So join us as we witness what transpired in the skies over Tehran. Next time on the Paranormal Factor Podcast. And now it's time for the episode quiz. And here is your quiz from Tuesday's question posted on our Facebook page. The corpse walkers come from what culture? Is it A, Haitian, B, Mexican, C, Chinese, or D, Kenyan? Once again, the corpse walkers come from what culture? Is it Haitian, Mexican, Chinese, or Kenyan? And the answer is... C. Chinese. Said to be able to animate corpses and literally walk them to another location, these Chinese cadaver controllers have some of the weirdest and creepiest abilities we've ever covered on the show. Corpse walkers and corpse herding priests actually provide a valuable service. They let the living put what feels like a safe distance between themselves and the dead. Concealed beneath a warm cloak of superstition, the corpse walkers and corpse herders allowed people to focus on the mourning or spiritual aspects of death instead of the cold reality of corpse transportation. Now, if you want to learn more about China's corpse walkers, check out episode two of this third season of the Paranormal Factor podcast. Well, that'll do it for this episode. A theme song is Knockers by Cinco, courtesy of Upbeat Music. Hey, before you leave, if you could, please do me just two favors. First of all, if you did enjoy the show, please leave a like on your favorite listening application. And secondly, if you liked what you heard, please spread the word. Love to have some new listeners out there to join you. I'm your host, Richard Wright. Keep your eyes open for the unusual folks, and thanks for stopping by.